Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. We've been focusing the last couple of weeks on the grace of God. Not only that we are saved by grace, but also by the power of the living God through his Holy Spirit and what Christ did, we are empowered to live by grace. And that comes in handy, especially through difficulties and disagreements. And that grace empowers us to live a kind of way to avoid pitfalls and becoming more like Christ. And so today we're gonna see an amazing story between three guys on how God's grace did just that. Uh, today we're gonna look at God's grace or the application of God's grace when it comes to sometimes difficulties. You know, last week we looked at God's grace and helping us to guide in, in our living and making decisions. And today we're gonna look at how God's grace was uh, expressed in a unique way. Maybe you wouldn't have seen it right away, but it's there. And we're going to look at God's grace in this approach to a problematic moment. All right. I think we're all we're all, we're all done this before. I know I've done this when you are faced with either a difficult decision or an issue or, you know, something that needs to happen. Maybe it, it could have been your fault. It could have been not. A lot of times we want to uh, avoid it altogether. Right. Or we'll try to fast track it. I don't know. Anybody one of those two? Like we maybe it was like, oh, let me just. Whatever, let me just pretend it's not there. We just keep going, right? We just avoid the situation, hoping that God will handle it, right? Look, you got this? All right, cool. I just, I'm, God, I'm not, all right? And so we'll do that and we'll move on and we avoid it and assume God will do it. Or we try to just kind of plow through it, all right? Just kind of fast track it to get a little fast, you know, better. But, you know, a lot of times both of those, those uh, don't always plan. Now, there's sometimes that it's true, and this is where God's grace comes in, there's sometimes things that we shouldn't focus on, right? And they're not that important, so we should overlook it. God's grace can give us the, the wisdom on what to do there. And there's sometimes moments in which, now we can fast track it, but we don't have to like drag things out as long as we should, right? And so, anyways, but this one though, there's an important one that we got to look at, because when you can't avoid it and you can't fast track it, you got to learn to at least pause, all right. Pause. Now, there's something I thought it was interesting. I just learned it this week. So uh, my military friends, Mark, I need you to correct me on this. OK, uh, there is something called a tactical pause. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. A tactical pause. It's a military term. So a tactical pause is just literally that. Because, I mean, could you imagine? I've never been there, all right? I've never had to be in a, like, life or death situation in, in, or, or a very high-intense moment like the military. But, I mean, you, you could assume very easily there's a lot of distractions when you got bullets, like, pew, pew, you know, like, kind of going by you. It's, it, it's hard to process, right, when you got all this going on and there's a lot. And so they train soldiers to learn to take tactical pauses to assess and make accurate decisions. Because if you avoid, or if you're too distracted, or if you try to fast track it, it could compromise the mission, or it could compromise your life. And so learning to take a tactical pause is important, even for us today. Because again, if, if we could take a tactical pause, it will help us to be able to know, you know, to avoid uh, those um, crazy questions or crazy decisions in order to help us to be able to grow in God's grace and grow by God's love. So learning to take a tactical pause to include God in the moment, to listen to his voice, to listen to his word, that's huge. And so we're going to look at a problematic moment 
and it's a look at, and this is going to be in Acts chapter 15, and we're going to see how Paul and Barnabas and this other guy named John Mark, we've been talking about all these guys for a while if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to look at how God, through his grace, helped them to maneuver an interesting situation, okay? So let's look at Acts 15. We're going to um, put it on the screen in a minute uh, for everybody online, and so we're going to post it for you. Here it is. And just as a prequel to this, uh, as you can see, this is going to be Acts chapter 15, verse 36. A little prequel for those that missed last week. There was a, a difficulty, a decision that needed to be made because it was an argument about how are we saved and then what does it look like to be saved? And so there was a tense moment within the church. There was a debate and the debate was settled. And it's interesting that right after they settled this debate, another debate ensued. And that's the one we're going to look at right here. So. Let's read all of it. We're going to read it straight through. Acts 15, 36 through 41. All right, so I lost my spot. All right. After some time had passed since the decision that they made, which we talked about last week, Paul says to Barnabas, he says, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along who? John Mark, right? Or it, it depends on, you know, your some translation may say Mark, also known as John. So depending on how you see it, that's kind of what, that's why they call it John Mark. That's what we're going to go with today. So Barnabas wanted to bring who? John Mark. But Paul, Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who did what? Deserted. Who deserted them in Pamphylia and had and not gone on with them to do the work. They had such a sharp disagreement, such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, this other guy, and they departed. After being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord, he traveled through Syria and uh, Cilicia. And what did they do? Strengthening the churches. All right. So that's an interesting little um, I don't know, a little controversy, I guess. How, what do you do with that? How do you process that? Like, what just happened? So let's look at a couple of things. Let's look at the desire first. How did this whole conversation start off? Right? Paul goes to Barnabas, and what was the desire? Hey, let's go back and let's go visit all of the Christians and that we, we had you know, visited before. And there was a, one purpose. What was the desire? Let's check to see how they're doing. Right? You read that? Paul, all he wanted to do was let's check to see how, we're do, how um, they are doing. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about this. This was Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. And they went all throughout these towns, and multiple towns, and they went to places that uh, either did not know about Jesus or very little people did. And they established churches and people were getting saved left and right. And so they went through a, a, an amazing story. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So in essence, what Paul and Barnabas, what Paul wanted to do is let's go for round two. Let's go. Let's go again. But this time, let's also check in on those people. So the desire is awesome. By the way, that um, they do go, like we just saw there, they do go on that journey uh, a little differently. And we're going to cover the events of that in the next couple of coming weeks. That's Paul's second missionary journey. But I love the heart there. I think there's something really cool that we need to pause on. Paul's desire should be our desires as believers, guys. You know, notice that personal responsibility. Let's check in to see how they are doing. 
Guys, as a church, as Christians, I'm telling you now, if, if you say you're a part of our church fam, well, this is a requirement of being a part of our church fam. It's understanding that as a family, right, as a family of faith, there's a personal responsibility towards one another. That we should, the same way, regardless of how crazy and busy things are, we should have a heart to make sure, hey, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? Y'all process that? How are you doing today? That's something that we should all do. That desire is one for us too as well. Um, I know there, there has to be online. I know you, come on, vouch for me here. Have you ever, have you ever received that text message or that call at just the right time when it was a brother or sister in the faith or anybody that was like, hey man, I've been thinking about you. I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Right? You ever got one of those? How does it feel when you get one of those? Feels good, right? This feels good. It feels good when you get one of those because even if things are going great, doesn't it feel good to know that, oh, you're thinking of me, you know? And, you know, that was cool. So it does feel good. It does feel good to be able to know that, hey, I was thinking about you and I'm checking in on you. How are you doing? But however, how many of us ever got that phone call when you weren't doing good and that was like perfect timing? Like, oh, thank you. Let me tell you, you know, I don't know if you've been on the on the other side of that question. How are you doing? And then this is not good. I'm like, oh, man, that's not what I hold on. I don't got time for that. I, you know what I'm saying? It was like the courtesy. How are you doing? I didn't really mean it. I didn't really mean to talk about it. I was, I was assuming you'd give me the I'm good, you know, and then we can move on. OK, right. I, I know I've, <laughs> I've been there, too. I've had one of those conversations that I'm like, oh, now we we doing this now. OK, I don't got. OK. All right pause on what I got going on. I got to listen. Okay. So, but that's okay. See, that's the point. I know you've appreciated it. Uh, you've appreciated when somebody's done it for you. And so I, I love the heart there. And that's really talking about the grace of God. That's God's grace. That was God's grace in the heart of Paul, putting something in him because guys, listen, God is concerned about how you are doing. He is. God is concerned about how you are doing, and he desires and expects us as believers to have the same heart, to be able to love one another, encourage one another, bear each other's burdens. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. Just to be able to learn how to say, how are you doing? Or I loved it the way a um, uh, good old man, a good old friend, uh, Andy, missed that guy. Andy always used to ask this question, how's your heart? I like that question. That's a different, you know, how are you doing versus, yo, how's your heart? Right? That's a good question. So that's a good one. So you see the desire, but then right at the beginning of the de desire, we have a disagreement, right? Now, the disagreement was not the desire. The disagreement was not saying, uh, hey, I don't think we should go. Barnabas was excited. And I mean, the last one, for those that remember, they almost died. So this was a you know, difficult journey for them to go back. This is crazy. So the disagreement was not on where. The disagreement was not on what. What was the disagreement based off? Who? Who are we bringing? And it said that Barnabas insisted. I love these words, guys. It says, let me look at it. It says, Barnabas wanted. That word wanted was, a, was a, a deep one. He wanted John Mark to come alongside, but Paul said no. And you saw the reason. Paul said no. We're not going to bring this man who did what? deserted. So I'm going to help y'all track because this is important. So in that first missionary journey, some of you remember if you were here, it was not two who went. I mean, Barnabas and Paul were this powerful tag team duo that God used. But it wasn't just two. It was three. It was PB and J. All right. It was uh, Paul, Barnabas and John Mark. All right. So you got PB and J. That was the first missionary journey, PB and J. And the thing is, is that after town number two, 
Second town in the journey, John Mark bails. He goes home. And notice what Paul, the word that Paul said was huge. This was not a, hey, you know, let's come together and make a decision. John, I think you can go home. This guy probably got off in the middle of the night, took off, didn't say anything, and just gone. Deserted them. And that was before it got crazy. I mean, town number two was, was, was fine. Now, here's the thing, guys. We don't know why John Mark left. He was, all we know is that he was a young man. So we don't know if he, you know, got homesick. We don't know if he got scared. We don't know if he got overwhelmed. We don't know if he felt, no, I'm, I'm not cut for this. I don't know. You know, we don't know. All we know is that he bailed. And the fact that he deserted them shows that it was not for a good reason. Everybody track, everybody track it. So, but here's Barnabas though. Let, let's look at Barnabas, guys. Barnabas, he's, every time we see Barnabas, he's living up to his nickname. The word Barnabas is a nickname that means encourager. And do we not see... Barnabas again encouraging right every time you see Barnabas's name is always encouraging that's for us as believers We should always be encouraging each other. And so how's Barnabas encouraging this situation? He's like hey, come on, man. Let's give him a second chance. Let's give him a second chance I know he did. I know he did what he did I know he bailed and, and by the way, this was a nepotism too because John Mark is uh, Barnabas's cousin All right, they're related so I was like, listen, we got to bring him, bro. You know, his mom is going to like not, you know, no, it wasn't anything like that. Like he was like, bro, you know, you know, you don't want to know this, bro. No, no, my auntie, you don't, you know, my auntie's serious. Okay. It wasn't that. But I love Barnabas's heart. He was like, he really wanted, he's like, let's give him a second chance. Come on. He wanted to come with us the first time. He wanted to serve the Lord and there was a calling on his life. Barnabas recognized that. I mean, that was all Barnabas did, man. Barnabas, every time he saw somebody, he encouraged them. And here's the crazy part is Barnabas was the number one person to encourage Paul when nobody wanted Paul. Because Paul was killing everybody, putting everybody in jail. But then when he gets saved, he wants to go meet with the apostles three years later. And the apostles are like, bro, no, man, not that guy. What you doing? He's not coming in here. This is fake. All right. He's, what happens? And you know what? Where was Barnabas? No, nah, man, I'm a vouch. I'm a cosign on what God is doing in his life. I, I've seen it. This is real deal. If it wasn't for Barnabas... Paul would not have been had a meeting with the apostles. But not only that, then in Antioch, there's this other city and revival is breaking out in Antioch. And guess what Barnabas does? Barnabas says, hmm, I'm in a circumstance. I'm in a situation where, where a lot of non-Jews are getting saved. God is doing something in a place where non-Jews are getting saved. Paul has a calling on his life to the non-Jewish world. He goes out of town, picks up Paul, brings him in, into the work. And there, that's where Barnabas and Paul, and Paul grows in the faith. And, and you always see, when you, when you saw their names uh, mentioned, and guys, when you look at, especially in the Greek and Hebrew, the person that was mentioned first is always like the influential person, the leader. So you always see Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And then it flips. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And so I love Barnabas because he saw God is doing something in his life. And when Paul was ready, he said, go home, buddy, you do your, you, let God use you. And Barnabas was willing to step back and let Paul grow. Tell me that's not amazing leadership right there, guys. As believers, listen, in any relationship, you see somebody else, encourage them. And sometimes encouraging them to grow is sometimes you having to let go and let them that sounds very parenting-wise to us, right? Learning to let go and to let them. That's the only way. You can't do it for them. I love Barnabas here. And so, man, I, I, right now, I don't know, maybe some of us are on Team Barnabas right now. And like say, man, yeah, he should go. He should get that second chance. He should learn. And some of you guys are probably looking at Paul. He's petty. No, man, bro. He, he saw what he did last time. He left me. Forget him. 
I ain't, no, no, no. Paul sounds petty, doesn't he? But he's not. So you got to understand even Paul's heart. So we see Barnabas' heart, but what's Paul's heart here? When he was like, no, he deserted us the last time before, you know, what did he say? Let me say, he deserted us. All right. Paul insisted. See, look at that word. Barnabas wanted, but Paul insisted that they don't. No, 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 no. He deserted us in Pamphylia and had not gone with us to do the work. See, Paul had a heart for John Mark too. Paul had a heart for John Mark too, because he's like, listen, Barnabas, I know that's your cousin. All right, I know it's your cousin Johnny, but hold on though. He left before it got crazy. If he couldn't handle it before the heat got turned up, could you imagine if we put, if we're put in a situation where they were pummeling me with rocks, they almost murdered me. And so what's gonna happen? Is, is, he, is he gonna be able, is he ready? So, you know, you can see kind of Paul's heart for John Mark was not, I'm like, ew, you know, X, canceled. You know, that wasn't him. He was concerned, like saying, I don't know if he's ready for this yet. I don't know if he's ready. If he bailed after town number two when it was easy, I don't know if he's ready when things get, you know, push come to shove. So you kind of see Paul's heart now. So, so that, that was his desire. He was like, I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he's ready. And so now who's right, though? I mean, let me just let you linger on that. Who's the one that's right? Should he go? Should he not go? Y'all want to do a vote? All right, online, y'all want to vote? Should he? Should he not? And so this is really hard because don't they both have good reasons? They have good reasons for it, right? They both have good reasons for why one shouldn't go. And then that word, though, y'all catch that word? Both Barnabas and Paul had a sharp disagreement. Now, the sharp disagreement was not one that they were getting in each other's face, like, you better let them go. I was like, nah, man, what you going, nah. No, nah, I mean, they, they weren't like up in each other's face. They weren't cussing each other out. It wasn't, they were still being respectful, but the sharp disagreement means like neither one was budging. I, I always mess this up. It's, it's the, this was literally what we're seeing is, is an unstoppable force, right? That's the phrase. It's an unstoppable force meeting and colliding with an immovable object. No one's going anywhere. Barnabas insisted, I'm not going unless he goes. Because Paul, Barnabas had a conviction. He's supposed to go with me. I feel it. I know it. That's why he wanted it. It was, I believe it was a Holy Spirit desire. He needs to go. But Paul was like, I understand, but I have this conviction that he shouldn't. I have a conviction that he shouldn't go with me for whatever reason. And they couldn't explain it. And then that sharp disagreement actually is this word where it means coming alongside of one another. Almost thinking of like iron going against iron. There's friction there. So obviously there's, uh, you know, they were trying to, but no one's moving. And I, and I love this because guys, see, I know sometimes when we go through difficulties like that, what do we want to do? Avoid it. Some of us don't like the fight. So we just, all right, fine. You want to bring them. Fine. I don't want to fight. All right. So maybe we'll do that or like, I right, find whatever. We'll leave them home. All right. And so sometimes we avoid situations that could be problematic. Other times we may fast track it. But here's why it's so important to learn to pause sometimes, especially when we have a problem. Because in the middle of their discussion, in the middle of their searching and their processing and their analyzing and in their disagreement, they are sharpening each other. This was actually like a positive result was about to happen here. All right. So that's an interesting thing as we see this. There's a sharp disagreement that led to finally the decision. And what was the decision? We got to break the band up. Well, that kind of sad, though, when you look at it, it's like, yo, the band got to break up. I mean, God used Barnabas and Paul in an amazing way during that first missionary journey. And now they 
gotta break up. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, like, uh, you know, have you ever been traumatized by that, hopefully not, but whatever, you know, like a celebrity breakup, and like, oh no, not again, you know? And so, a celebrity breakup, I don't know if you guys were, you know, I know apparently, I, I didn't, I wasn't around that time, but apparently when the Beatles broke up, that was a big deal, right? And so, the Beatles breaking up was a big deal. I know we've all gone through breakups, don't they? You know, a lot of us, we understand what that means, and it, it, it's hard. So, I, I would believe that Barnabas and Paul had a, oh man, like I'm saying goodbye. You know, like we're going to split up. And, you know, if it wasn't for Barnabas, man, I, I wouldn't be here if I was Paul. And Paul's you know, and then here's Barnabas, and I'm like, man, I've seen God use you in such amazing ways. I've got to witness that, and now I'm not. I'm sure there was a little bit of a sadness, a little bit of a thing, but they got this decision. They go to break up, and so now we got two teams. What are the teams? We got Barnabas and who? John Mark, and so they take off, and they go on their own missionary journey, and then now we got Paul and another guy named Silas, and so that one is going to be really cool because from, from starting the next couple of weeks, we're going to now follow Paul and Silas, because the focus is on what God is doing through Paul. And this is, this is the, the cool part, guys, about it, because sometimes we look at a situation like this, and, or difficulties, and, and having to move on, and, and I know we've been there, maybe you've had a relationship with somebody, and then they're going to move away, and I'm like, oh man, you know, it's like, that, that, that's tough, you know, or somebody passes away, but that one's a little different. This is like actual split up, and they're all alive. And so, but what's so cool, guys, is that in this, despite the division, God, by His grace, actually brought multiplication. So despite the division, God brought multiplication because before there was only one missionary team, Paul and Barnabas. But now we got two. So now Barnabas is on over here. So now the work has doubled and God's word is spreading faster because every, you know, they've got two going in two different routes. So that's really, really cool. So we see God again by his grace doing this. And a part of me, when I look at all of this and when we were studying, right, you know, Isaac, you and I were studying, we looked at. We asked this question, did anybody sin in the whole process? You think about it, did they sin? This looks like, uh, you know what? That's, all right, hard-headed, cabezón, fine, you go, you do. I'm, I'm gonna go this way, you know? Did they sin was an interesting question here. Can you have a disagreement with somebody? Can you have and be in a position where you will not see eye to eye and still not sin? I think that's what we saw here. And to a certain extent, I believe that the reason why both were so adamant is because this split was actually guided by the Holy Spirit. See, the thing is, guys, is you'll see it. For those of us, come on, come back and hang in there because God's word is amazing. Literally, Silas, who's now partners with Paul, Silas ends up being like the perfect person for what Paul is about to face that he doesn't know what, what's coming now. But Silas ends up being the perfect God-ordained partner for what he's about to face. So there's a reason why John, why Paul felt, no, man, I don't feel like we should. I don't feel like we should because that was the spirit convicting him. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. I have a purpose for Barnabas. I have a purpose for you. And this was fulfilled. It's a new chapter now. And so you're going to see it. It's really cool. And then Barnabas goes off with, with John Mark. And, and so, and, and I love, again, the heart behind it all. This is why I know there's another, uh, we know that we can probably see that they didn't sin. Because Paul actually, years later, talks about Barnabas in one of his letters. And he, every time Paul talks about Barnabas after the breakup, it's always positive. 
It's always good. So I love that, that Paul did not hold any resentment towards Barnabas. He was like, man, we could have been, we could have been amazing together, but you wanted to bring your cousin, dude. Why? And, you know, he didn't have that resentment. So I love that. That's super cool. So even in this disagreement, even in this, which actually can be very helpful uh, if we're in, uh, let's say, relationships, married relationships, it could be, it is possible to have a disagreement, not see eye to eye on something and not sin. So that's kind of like a cool little, little thing there, to, maybe for you to explore later. Um, but here we have this split. And then this is, now I'm going to need a reaction because, man, we've seen Barnabas and God has been doing amazing things throughout this whole book of Acts. But this is the last time we hear of Barnabas in the book of Acts. Can I get a... Oh, it's like we got to say we got to say goodbye to Barnabas. Like literally, it's like we're breaking up with Barnabas now because we're going to go with Paul. We're going to follow Paul's story. So we're going to break up with Barnabas now. We're not going to see him anymore. This is his last mention. But you know what? This is not the last mention of John Mark. See, this is the one where I want us to look at because we saw the desire, right? What was the heart? Let's encourage the churches. And by the way, did you see how they did it in the end? They split up, but they were both encouraging the churches. So that was pretty cool. So you had the desire to encourage one another, the disagreement on how we're going to do this, really the who, the decision, but then the final development of the deserter, John Mark. John Mark gets his second chance. And he now just gets this one-on-one with Barnabas. And I don't know about you, it would would be weird for John Mark because pretty much Paul fired you. That's really what it was. Paul said, you're done. Okay, you're done. I don't want you. And so I don't know how, you know, John Mark could have like held that. Could he have held that against Paul? Man, you didn't believe in me, man. You didn't believe in me. Why? You know, he could have. I don't know. Could have. Did Paul hold resentment towards John Mark for abandoning him in the midst when things were going? Well, we do have an answer for that. But let's look at the development of John Mark. Do you guys know that the first time, and we've been looking at John Mark a lot. I think this is the fourth or fifth week that we've seen John Mark in the book of Acts. The first time we see him is in this moment where Peter gets out of jail and he goes to the house of John Mark where his mom, and that's where the church was. The church was gathered there. But this is not the first mention of John Mark ever. Uh, Actually, can... um, There is an assumption, all right, historians and theologians believe that the house where Peter went to, where the church was gathering, was the same place where Jesus was with his apostles the night of the Last Supper. Guys, the upper room was John Mark's house. There's there's a a solid, uh, you know, it's not guaranteed, but there's a very solid evidence that John Mark's mother was very affluent. You know, they had money even though she was a widow. And there's a reason why. And there's a reason why Jesus chose the house of a believer, someone like that. And so here's John Mark, and you got Jesus and the disciples having the Last Supper in your living room. And he's there. And and, and check this out. This is actually what many assume is the first mention of John Mark. Can we put the verse up? This is found. uh, I'm going to tell you what it is. Look, now a certain young man wearing nothing but linen clothing. Followed Jesus while they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he had been arrested. And it says here, they caught, the Roman soldiers caught hold of him, and he left his linen cloth cloth behind and ran away naked. A lot of theologians believe that is the first mention of John Mark in the Bible. It's in the Gospel. And so what is John Mark doing? deserting Jesus. I'm like, that's his first mention. Like literally the first time we hear of John Mark is him bailing on Jesus. All of the apostles, when you read the first, um, when you read the first verse of that story, it actually says, it actually says that all of the disciples, 
deserted Jesus. And if you know the story, all the Roman soldiers come and they arrest him. Judas betrays him with a kiss. And literally it says the disciples deserted him, but John Mark followed and he held in and wanted to see a little more until somebody grabbed a hold of him and was like, hey, what you doing here? And then he, you know, got out, you know, just, you know, just got out and just running. I mean, clean as day, like, like if he, you know, had just been born. That's how he ran home. Could you imagine you got to explain that to your mom. You know, I was like, um, you know, like what are you? guys, John Mark's first mention is him deserting Jesus. And then we see him later and the apostle, you know, we got uh, Paul and Barnabas end up going to Jerusalem and they meet with John Mark and John Mark is a believer in Jesus Christ. And he's like, I want to live for him. I want to live for him. I want to go sold out. Let me go with you. And they bring him along. They, I guarantee you they probably saw a calling on his life from God. And there was a desire. And you could see John Mark's like, man, the same Jesus that I abandoned has forgiven me and given me life. I want to tell others about him. And so Paul and Barnabas bring him along. And what happens after town number two? Do you know? He does it again. He leaves. Hopefully he didn't run home, you know, butt naked the whole time that way. But he leaves again. Again, could you, if you were John Mark, I'm like, could you imagine the, the, maybe the, the regret and the shame? I abandoned Jesus again. I did it again. Right? We've all been there. I did it again. And then here he is. He's going to get now a third chance. And Paul says no. Oh, could you just, the wrestling in his heart. But then he goes off with Barnabas. And I think John Mark... He needed one-on-one -on -one time with the number one encourager in the Bible. You, you feel me on that? And so what do we see? We see Barnabas encouraging John Mark, encouraging him, encouraging him, encouraging him to grow in the faith. Almost 20 years later, John Mark pops up again. And this time he's with Peter in Rome. In fact, Peter mentions this in, uh, in his letter, his first letter that he writes in the New Testament. Peter is talking about John Mark. And how John Mark has been an amazing aide. So here's Peter now. And Peter, we see he's seen John Mark's growth. He's seen, I mean, again, Peter knows this boy. He knows what he did that night. Peter was not the only one who deserted Jesus. So John Mark. But now, 20 years later, John Mark is a grown man. And God, he's seeing him. He's, he, you know, you could tell what Barnabas did in his life set him up. He set him up and Barnabas passed, on, passed him along to Peter. And now he's very influential in helping Peter. But then a few years later, do you know who mentions John Mark again? Can we put the verse up, left? In a conversation between Paul and Timothy, he writes in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, Only Luke is with me. The same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts that we're reading. And what does he say? Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. That's John Mark. Twenty-something years later, when Paul said he's not ready, no. Not now. What is Paul? How is his view of this boy, this now young man? No, John Mark, by the grace of God, has grown up. By the grace of God, he's been restored. And now not only was John Mark valuable to Peter, he says he is essential now to me. At the end of his life, this is old man Paul about to die. And who does he call on? He's like, I got nobody here but Luke. Luke is still hanging in with me. Luke is still there. But you know who I want to see one more time? Before I die, I want to see John Mark. He has been helpful and influential 
through the years, through the, these my final years, and I want to see him one more time. Isn't that pretty cool to see the development of that? But his story doesn't end there. John Mark's last mention isn't necessarily through Paul. You probably have known and heard of John Mark way before we ever read John Mark's name in the book of Acts. Can we, babe, can you put that reference back when we saw the young man leaving? Do you know where we find it? Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, out of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only mention of a young man leaving, leaving and deserting Jesus happens to be the book of Mark. That's John Mark, guys. John Mark penned through partnering with Peter, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we know John Mark not as a deserter, but as a redeemed son of God who wrote and penned one of the four Gospels. That's John Mark. And that's, to, to me, it's, it, I mean, we're not just looking at amazing, wow, look at how Mark grew. No, that is God's grace. Could you imagine? That is the grace of God. When it says, I have seen this man. He abandoned, he deserted me at the cross. He had deserted me in the garden. He deserted me on that missionary journey. But yet, by the grace of God, here he is standing and look at, we don't know him as a deserter. We see him now as a faithful follower of Jesus, whose very words, how many of you have ever read and inspired and have lifted you and encouraged you? That's John Mark. That is the grace of God. That is the grace of God on our lives. That even though Paul could have held his past against him, but not even Jesus and the Spirit could hold Paul's past, um, could hold John Mark's past against him, because this is why it's amazing grace, and that the blood of Jesus washes away all of our sins. And God, not He, he doesn't hold our past against us anymore. Our purpose is not determined by our past. Our purpose is, is determined by Christ Himself alone. Christ Himself alone. And that's what God did through his life. And guys, that's the same thing with us. And I love the way even Mark opens up his, uh, his gospel. He opens it up in this way. I'm going to just read it to you. Mark 1.1 1, 1 says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel or the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I love the way he starts it. Because, see, this is the, let me tell you the story of the beginning of the good news. Because, guys, Mark knows very well that the good news, it's a good news of new beginnings. Mark sees it. Mark knows that who Jesus is, he is who Christ is. This is the gospel of good news for new beginnings, for people who don't deserve a new beginning, for people who can't earn it or afford it or are not good enough. That is the gospel of new beginnings. And Mark passionately opens that up. Because he is a testimony of the gospel of what God can do in the grace of God in giving all new beginnings. Guys, despite John Mark's failures in his life, Christ remained faithful to him. Though he deserted Jesus multiple times, very likely, even if it was just once, I was it. Despite his faults, the Lord remained faithful to him. And guys, I want you to know that John Mark, is his story is our story. John Mark is our story. 
We have all failed. We have all disappointed God. And I'm sure as believers, as believers, some of us had went out full going. It was like, I'm going to live for the Lord only for, you know, a month or a week later. I'm like, where'd you go? Where'd she go? What happened? What happened? And we all, I've been there. We all got those reasons. But that's John Mark's story is our story. Despite, I can say the same thing. I am a product of God's grace. The many times I have failed or disappointed and, and again, it, despite our faults, that is what we see, the beauty of the love and faithfulness of God. John Mark's story is my story. He's your story. God doesn't look at us. And, and you know, if, if we come repentant and, and desiring, like he, that's it. The blood of Christ is enough to wash away our sins. And again, it is a good news of new beginnings. It's a good news of new beginnings. And so, guys, when we look at this, John Marks was not the only new beginning, right? We had Paul and Silas had to experience, Paul had to experience a new beginning, right? Barnabas had to experience a new beginning. And so we all know this and the grace of God was good enough there and God used them. And so for us guys, that maybe for some of us that there's, you, maybe you're in the middle of making a decision and you're struggling with a decision and you know, it's, it's hard. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What we can see here, if God was, God gave grace to these two to make a wise decision, God by his grace can give you the ability to make wise decisions as well. And then if we have the other part, well, what about the difficulties, right? We saw this was not only difficult to, to come to an agreement on, but it was, it was difficult to have left. You know, I'm sure it was, bar, this was, you know, difficult for Barnabas and Paul to experience, but yet even God's grace helped them to grow and not hold resentment towards that person, but they grew in love. And so even in those difficulties or in relationships, sometimes the dynamics of relationships change, right? The dynamics change, whether, you know, the kids start growing up, all right, and they have to start now a new transition. And now it's a new transition for, for the kids. I know I'm going to, this week I got two birthdays. My oldest is going to be a teenager, he's going to be 13, and the other one's going to be 11. And this week I got two that turn, and before I blink, they're going to be 23, 22, 21 on their way out, hopefully, right? And so, all right? But I know as much as that transition is going to be weird. Some of you, I'm looking, you guys got high schoolers. Before you know, you're going to blink. I'm sure, right? You're going to blink. I'm pretty sure you still see Elizabeth as, yeah. And you blink. And now what are we going to do? There's a new transition or maybe somebody in your, in your life, right? They pass away. And, and now how am I going to move on without this person? Maybe it was a breakup or divorce or something like that. And, and, or, or somebody moved away that was essential to your life. Well, God's grace was enough for them. God's grace was enough. And then finally, when we look at John Mark, guys, even when we can't get things right, when we don't get things right, we see that by the grace and faithfulness of God that he is able to make things right, even when we don't get it right all the time. Again, this is good news for what? New beginnings new beginnings. Whatever that is, guys, I want you to know that we can have that same encouragement that, that this God of new beginnings is doing something new in the world and desires to do something new in us. And maybe you may find yourself in a little bit of a friction with the Holy Spirit and with God and wanting to do and God's calling you to do this or God's leading you to do this and you're like, I don't know. But guys, in the end, we can see that if we just trust in him and look to Christ, not only can he lead us through new beginnings and new journeys and new transitions, but in the process, he wants to make us new. So in the end, my prayer is that we may, our prayer is that my testimony, my kid's testimony, your testimony will be John Marks. 
I'm like, and yeah, I didn't start it off rocky. It had its ups and downs. But in the end, the gospel of Mark is not a testimony of how much Mark has grown. This is a testimony of the goodness of God. A God that gives new beginnings and makes things new. Seriously, the more we look at the grace of God, the more the lyrics of the song Amazing Grace not only make me make sense, but man, that word is just not enough to be able to describe what God's grace is. I mean, to be able to see it in Paul and Barnabas on how by the grace of God, they were able to make a tough decision, even in a disagreement and, and not sin and to be able to grow closer to God and be empowered by God. But again, then there's John Mark. I mean, seeing the grace of God over the overarching story of John Mark. And like I said earlier, man, John Mark's story, that's my story. You know, how many times have we and I, you, and so it's your story too, we fail Christ. We've all born failures in the sense that we are all born sinners. So already we, we kind of start out the gate in the negative. And then there may be moments even in our walk with God that we're not always getting things right. But praise God that we have the Holy Spirit to comfort us and encourage us like Barnabas did. And I pray that the Holy Spirit may encourage you to be an encourager. How many John Marks are around you right now in the church that aren't where they are yet and they need to be encouraged in their faith instead of talk down to, no, we need to be building them up. And I pray that this is building you up as well, that the grace of God is able to overcome so many of our faults to empower us to be faithful.